Hello everyone, and welcome to the all-new Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast, powered by ForeverBlueShirts.com. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scultori, uh, and today we, it's a special Daily Goldhorn edition, and I am beyond excited to have NHL reporter and insider John Shannon with me. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tony, how are you? Doing great, doing great. Uh, first off, I just wanted to say uh, how how much I enjoyed your work. Uh, you know, covering free agency, trade deadline coverage on Sportsnet. So, what I want to do is I want to ask you, what are you up to now? What's keeping you busy? What are you doing? Well, you know what I I still um, you know you can't get hockey out of my blood. So, in in many ways, I'm still as much involved in the game as I ever have been. Talking to people that have been lifelong friends. Uh, I, I do actually do work for a couple of clubs, um, and consult and do some writing still. Uh, and and I'm probably working as much as I want to during the pandemic. Uh, you know, I don't want to travel as much anymore when it comes to, uh, uh, what's going on on our continent, and uh, and and I can still follow uh, hockey and other sports. I I, I do it. I do another podcast uh, um, with a friend of mine, Bob McCowan. That's uh, he's a legend in Canada. He's I guess he's uh, Canada's version of Don Imus in sports. <laughs> and uh, and so we do we, we do we do a podcast three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, do I invite anybody who's a uh, a hockey fan, because most, uh, you know, in Canada, sixty to seventy percent of sports discussion is always hockey. You know, I, we don't have to worry. You know, the, the Jays are are big, but they're not the Yankees or the Mets. Uh, and uh, and so we talk a lot of hockey on our podcast, and it's um, it's a lot of fun. I've had uh, I, I have friends in Montreal. Uh, my my best friend has family in Montreal. We go to Montreal. Um, I'm a huge hockey fan, but obviously I'm in New York. So it doesn't rank, as you said, with Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, right? It's, it's not there, no matter how big it is. Nope. In Montreal, that's religion. <laughs> that, you know, that's it, literally it, like it, church. It's funny, the two, the two places I love to go watch games uh, for that very reason, uh, I love going to uh, uh, the Bell Center. Uh, because the, the, the knowledge of the hockey fan there is spectacular. The passion for their hockey club is spectacular, almost to the point where if you if you're you you, you if you're in the public eye, if you criticize the team, you're going to be castigated. If you don't criticize the team, you're going to be called a homer, uh, and because they know their stuff so well in Montreal. I l- still love going to the Garden. I I I you know, and before the pandemic, my one of my thrills was always to be able to walk up the elephant ramp, uh, the elephant walk and stand in the Zamboni and, and listen to the fans and, and watch on the fifth floor, watch the Rangers who, by the way, um, I did, I grew up in Western Canada. The New York Rangers were my boyhood team. Wow. Uh, Cause I, it, it's a long story, but you know what? Hey, it's a podcast. we got lots of time. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I was so angry with the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens for not allowing the Vancouver Canucks to come into the NHL in the original expansion. As a 10-year-old, I was so angry. And that was the truth. The The two Canadian teams vetoed Vancouver from joining the NHL. Amazing. Uh, I, I, I couldn't cheer for them anymore. Uh, I just I had had enough. And I picked the Rangers because for so many sa- Sunday nights, 
in Canada, there used to be a national radio broadcast. And this was in a time when we only had two TV channels in our whole country. We didn't have cable TV very much. And so Sunday night games from Madison Square Garden, either Toronto or Montreal from Madison Square Garden, and the sound of the crowd in both, you know, the, the, the pre-68 building and then the 68 building, the, the crowd was so spectacular. Because Canadian hockey fans aren't near as passionate or vocal as American hockey fans uh, because they think they know too much. Um, <laughs> and... It's our game. That's the motto. Well, well, yeah, but they, you know, they, 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 they Canadian hockey fans want to act cool. You know, they want to say, well, you know, that's uh, F one in deep, you know, you know, all that crap. Um, whereas I, I, I just love the passion of of uh, of American hockey fans and particularly fans at the Garden. So I, when I worked at the NHL for for uh, parts of five years, I would I loved walking down from eleven eighty five Avenue in the Americas to to stand in the Zamboni and watch the game. And so for the longest time, the Rangers have uh, been a, a very, very uh, uh, deep following for me all the way back till I was, you know, what, 10 or 11 years old. That's great because obviously I make my bread and butter covering the Rangers for the last six years. Um, and the bulk of my fan base and my readers, followers, they're all going to be mostly Ranger fans. Uh, obviously, I'm expanding the coverage to the NHL now, but uh, this should be very good for them as well. So let's talk really quick. Let's talk about the NHL landscape. Um, I, can you help me assess the NHL landscape this offseason? Because with the flat cap, uh, teams with internal caps as low as oh, 70 million, right? I think that's what you're hearing, 70 million internal caps. What impact do you think overall it's going to have on the draft, free agency, buyouts? Let's just give it from the high-level perspective before we dive into each topic. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I, I don't think we all know, and I, I, I don't think teams know either. Uh, I think they're trying to wrap their heads around it. Uh, one of the things I would tell you, Tony, is that um, there's a lot more internal. There'll be a lot more internal caps this year than there will be just you know the actual NHL cap of just over eighty million dollars. I think there'll be a ton of teams saying, "Hey guys, we don't have any cash right now. We're not spending right now. Um, you you have to you have to be a little more cautious." Uh, you know, I don't see when it comes to signing players, I don't see as many signing bonuses because I, I don't think there's that bucket of cash sitting there. And I think players, and I think what I, I actually think that's what we're seeing a little bit in the Alex Petrangelo signing, not to, to, uh, get off topic, but, uh, I, I think that there are people that want, you know, that big lump of money right on July the 1st or whatever date we're going to put the signing on. And it's just not going to happen. It's, it's not there because they, the teams don't have cash available uh, because they haven't had very much cash coming in uh, for the last eight months. Uh, so I, I think there'll be a lot more internal caps. And I think between signing, the draft will be more important than ever because entry-level players are going to become the cornerstone, in my opinion, the cornerstone of most teams, uh, and particularly those teams that have big money players. And then what we're going to see, in, in my opinion, is the end of the middle class uh, and, and the death of the middle class when it comes to hockey players. And, and I don't know what the middle class number is. Is that 
three and a half to seven million dollars? Mm-hmm. Are we going to see those players not get signed? And then later on in free agency, before the season starts, whenever that is, they actually have to take a deal at a million and a half or $2 million. That's what's going to happen. Uh, you know, free agency starts on, I think, the 9th of October. Uh, and I, I don't, you know, everybody says, oh, there's going to be lots of, there's going to be lots of uh, signings. I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced. I think there'll be a few. I think there'll be a few big names. But then I think that there's people are going to say, hold on, we can't panic. This is not a time to panic. This is a time to assess what our needs are in a line with our budget. And are more than more important than ever right now are those budgets. Uh, I agree. Actually, uh, I've sp- spoken to a couple of agents trying to get any information I can about contract talks with the Rangers uh, on RFA. Oh, good luck with that. Yeah, well, I've actually I've been fortunate enough. A couple of them uh, have actually gotten back to Mark Guy, Ryan Strom's agent. Really nice guy. Basically, there's nothing going on. At this point, they're just preparing. And I'm pretty sure that even if there was, I'd probably get very limited, you know, on that. Uh, Mike Liute spoke with him really brief that nothing going on right now. Uh, From what I gather, you know, teams, like you said, they're trying to figure out this landscape. There's a lot to be said. One person I spoke, Team Source, said, hey, come free agency, come that opening bell, expect a flurry of signings. If I'm an agent, I'm going to want to strike because – after that opening bell, it's going to go dead. Yeah, I, but, but, but I mean, I, I think that that's, I think you're hearing it from the side that wants those signings done. I, I don't think that that's going to be where the teams are going to get. I, I think if if a team has to fill a an obvious need, like if there's a team out there that says, man, oh man, we are in dire need of a goaltender. Um, Plenty of those. quick. <laughs> Lots of those. Yeah. Lots of those. Um, You know, maybe we'll have to strike quickly. As I said, I think there might be a a, a small pocket of signings on that first day uh, of of maybe some of the bigger stars, but I I don't think, I don't think it's going to be, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a lot of guys. I'd, I'd be shocked if it is. And, 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 and in this day and age, if there is that kind of signing and that, panic signing stuff then i'll tell you what managers better be concerned because they've got they've got their cfo looking over their shoulder they got their ceo looking over their shoulder and they got their owner looking over their shoulder and they better watch what they're doing i i agree it's going to test the metal of a lot of gms uh for sure so just another thing right we're talking about you know, unrestricted free agents at the moment. And we know what the playing field is. We know who's out there. It's the names, the big ones, Angelo, Taylor Hall, uh, Tori Krug. Those are the names that everyone's expecting to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but buyouts, it opened yesterday and we got a little bit of a shocking one in Bobby Ryan. So now, not, re- not really, not really. You don't think no. so? I mean, he seemed no. to be pretty surprised and they're so below the cap floor that, you know, doesn't help. Them I, by the way, I think Pierre Dorian is 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 constructing something that is going to be pretty solid in the long term if if things return to normal uh, in the world, uh, and who knows if they will. They, they've got some young talent, um, you know. You know, and what, what he's going to end up being is what, what we saw in Arizona for a few years back. Uh, Anthony is that uh, he's going to be he, he's going to be the dead zone. 
Uh, he's going to be a place where uh, he can get another pick, another draft pick, which is which is huge equity, uh, and and depending on how high that draft pick is, to take on dollars, to take on somebody's dead contract. So you won't see a buyout, but you will see a trade. Uh, you know, I, and I, you know, for instance, uh, for, and I, this is just a hypothetical, uh, Louis Erickson in Vancouver. Uh, who, you know, that has, unfortunately, that's been the albatross around Jim Benning's neck. It has not been a good signing after uh, what Erickson did uh, prior to coming to Vancouver. Uh, he's got two years left. Uh, the cash amount is not very high. I think it's about $4 million, but his cap hits over six. Well, that's perfect for Ottawa. That's the perfect scenario for Ottawa because they're still in that developmental stage. They and they could actually buy out Erickson much easier than the Canucks could, but the Canucks are going to have to give them something to do that. And how high that draft pick is, or what that player is, who that player is, is going to be the key. And that's what Pierre Dorian's setting himself up for when you when you get rid of a Bobby Ryan. Who and and God bless Bobby Ryan for everything he's been through. Uh, for for winning a, a major trophy this offseason, but has been grossly overpaid for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Grossly overpaid. Hard to argue. And, uh, and, and you know what? And, and is going to walk away with, you know, a pretty good paycheck for the next couple of years yep. without even having to play. So, and he will resign somewhere. Someone will, someone will take a chance on Bobby Ryan for a million dollars a year. Someone That's said what the will Islanders. happen. What's that? Someone said the Islanders. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I'm a, I am a, a lewd devotee. Um, I have been for a long time and got particularly enamored uh, when Lou was here in Toronto. Um, much more approachable, much more open and not necessarily honest or giving, but just w- w- wouldn't tell you very much. But he was much more approachable than, than I ever thought he was in New Jersey. Um, and Lou, if Lou sees talent, um, and Lou finds a way to manage people. You know, he, he, he did it here in Toronto with Nazem Kadri. Uh, I do think that Robin Leonard owes a lot to what, uh, uh what uh, the Islanders and Lou did. So Bobby Ryan would fit into that as well. All right. I want to go back just a little bit only because what you said about Ottawa buying out Bobby Ryan, setting up for something, uh, like a trade for a buyout. And what's funny is, is that foreverbluestress.com about a few, a few, I would say four or five days ago, we wrote a hypothetical trying to figure out the Henrik Lundqvist situation. And one of the thought process was, is that we know that the Rangers would like to, obviously, if they can maximize as much relief from the cap as possible. A buyout only gives them 3 million. Mm-hmm. So they take a 5.5 million and they have plenty of dead cap space from Shattenkirk. So the hypothetical was, well, could Gorton go the Kyle Dubas route with Patrick Marlowe as he did with Carolina? And the one team we said, looking at the situation was, what about trading him, trading Lundqvist, obviously he needs to waive that no move clause, it's up to him, but who buys him out really doesn't matter, to Ottawa, where I think the buyout cost is $3 million plus there could be a signing bonus, I'm not sure how that works. Um, and they would get 5.5 million of uh, I'm they would get yeah I think it's 5.5 million of a cap hit added to to them. I'm not According, an accountant, you know, Tony. I'm not an accountant. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember everything we wrote. Uh, and then <laughs> on top of it all, the Rangers would have to give up in order to make it work. Just like. 
they did with Marlowe, um, the Rangers would have to give up that 22nd pick. But at this point with the Rangers, how many number one, how many first round picks can you have that you hope to eventually make your lineup and think they're all going to be great? That draft capital for the relief of $8.5 million, I don't know. Is that even a possible scenario? Drager said last night, there's no trade interest. Somebody overseas told me there was at least one team that they heard. Um, what do you think? Lundqvist is a big deal right now. I think he's, a, from the whole buyout perspective, we're going to talk about buyouts. He's everyone's number one candidate for one. But could the Rangers get creative before the draft to find a way to do it? And this Ottawa possibility, you just don't see it. Yeah, that, um, uh, honestly, n- no. Again, because uh, I, I don't think Ottawa's in that realm. Uh, um, and, and I, because I, I actually think that you know, the, the, Henrik's an interesting one because they, the, the Rangers, I think they want to handle it with class and with dignity. I don't, I, I don't think they want to be in a place where uh, they're, they're just doing the bio, casting them aside. Uh, I also don't think that, uh, you know, a, a John Davidson administration is prepared to ever contemplate moving a draft pick that high, ever. I think, I think that, I mean, first-round picks are the prime equity in the National Hockey League. A first-round pick, if you do it right, a first-round pick's worth $10 million. You know, if, if, you put, if you put a value on it over a period of time. So, I, I mean, it, I, it's almost like, there are certain general managers, certain presidents of teams that put rules in place. And I think one of those rules in place, in my opinion, um, is that uh, the Rangers will never move that first round pick. I just don't, I just don't see it. Uh, I, and because again, in the end, you know, the, the, the first round pick, there's cost certainty for that pick for three years with his first contract. There are, and and there's a chance that he's a, a damn good player too. So all of a sudden, that's what managers are looking for. They're looking for younger players, controllable contracts, cost certainty. That's what draft picks allow you, and that's why I you know I, that's why I don't think the the equity that draft picks give you are, are going to be more valuable than ever before in this offseason. Okay. I, I, listen, all great points. I totally agree. You know, I, I just, I keep looking at that performance bonus number that they have because of all the young players they have on ELC. I know that I think that it's seven something, 7.2 million. Kako has high performance bonus. Shesterkin has sure. one more. Well, year. I mean, all those guys, all those guys got their, their A and B bonuses, right? I mean, they all did. I mean, pretty much. Like- right. And then, and, and obviously they were under the cap so they could cover it this season, but now I'm, I'm going, all right. So you're going to add Lafreniere. And and he, and Lafreniere is gonna is going to is going to get that max money that Kako got right, which could be over sure three million, right? Sure so he's definitely going to get it. And and honestly, with everything I'm hearing, you could possibly hit most of them. Uh, you have Keandre Miller that they might consider doing, and I'm pretty sure he has signing bonuses. So I start looking at those performance bonus numbers, and I'm going, yeah, they have 14 million in cap space. Will lead into the RFA situation that would make you know because that's another big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. It's it's almost like it's got to be accounted for. How do they get that extra money? But they, but here 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 here's the problem. Here's the problem with what you're saying is is that for this off season, really only, I would tell you 27 of the 31 teams, 27 of the 30 31 teams 
are are really in the same situation. I think they're really they're all they're all thinking the same thing you're thinking about the Rangers. I think everybody's in this boat. Right. So all of a sudden there are 27 teams phoning four. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, so it's, you know, it's, it's, so that it, it, it's very difficult to, to take the ranger situation in isolation. Obviously Jeff and, and John and everybody on the staff have to do that, but they're not alone in this. They're not alone. And so how, how do you then compete against other teams? How close, and then, then it, then it becomes the question of how close you are, you you think you are, to being that, you know, perennial contender. How close you are to being a champion. And then the question becomes, and this is one between hockey ops and ownership, saying, okay, do you want to be good for two years and then start again again? Or do you want to be good for 10? And that's a philosophical thing. And I, I truly believe, I, I believe the Rangers are in the latter. I think the Rangers want to be around and be a contender for a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th- I think the Panarin trade was the, the, the beginning of that, or the Panarin signing was, Panarin signing was the, the beginning of that last summer. Um, and, and so that to me says that there has to be a little bit of a different approach than do they, sure, do they, I mean, they have, the problem is they have three good goalies. They have three good goalies. Yes, One makes too much money. <laughs> yeah, to be a and and one doesn't have, as I talked about, that shelf life of five to seven years. So all of a sudden, that there's there's some obvious things to try to do, and there's there's you know the, the all these guys have capologists, all these guys have philosophies, all these guys have crunched the numbers. What's the best way to handle this in the Henrik situation? Obviously, um, with uh, that will benefit the club as much. But also, I think in this situation, I think that everybody's very, very conscious of what Henrik Lundqvist has done for the organization, what he's meant to the fan base. And so there has to be, you know, because there, there will be a point where his number's in the rafters. There will be a point. And they want to make sure that, that, that that's maintained. So your prediction on Lundqvist, is it a buyout? Uh, yeah. Makes sense. That's 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 my prediction. I I think that in the in the end, um, and and really, and uh, Henrik holds all the cards. So then you wonder, okay, and he's he's a uh, he's represented by Newport Sports out of Toronto, um, uh, and they heck look at the look at the goaltenders they're representing this summer: Henrik Lundqvist, Robin Leonard, Jacob Markstrom. You know they've got a few guys on the market. Um, and so you have to wonder: are, are are there some informal, at a distance, non-binding conversations going on to say, okay, listen, if Henrik's available, would you be interested? Hypotheticals, all hypotheticals, nothing illegal with hypotheticals. Right. You know, the phone call could occur. I represent a 37-year-old goaltender who's won an Olympic gold medal. And if he became available for a two-year contract at, say, $2.5 million, does that fit into your plan? 
you know, that's what would happen. Uh, that's that's what I mean. Give them credit; they're not breaking the rules. They're they're pushing to the line, but they're not breaking the rules. Yeah, didn't they? They do away with the interview period for free agents, right? In the last, oh, like, yes, we got rid of the interview period. Like, I, I was like, well, no, well, here, but here was the problem with that: is that there was that five day window of interview periods, but then players, then they were doing it five days before anyway. So, so they were pushing it to 10, they were pushing it to 10, you know, and the interview period was occurring, you know, the same week as the draft, even though the interview period wasn't happening until after the draft. So, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was, it was, it had, in principle, it was a good idea. Um, but in the end it was stupid. Yeah, yeah no, I, I hear you. All it did was to open the window to, uh, you know, a little more informal tampering than ever before. <laughs> All right. So before we wrap up on buyouts, do you, you know, um, we had Bobby Ryan, you have any that you think that, Oh, that would be, a, th- this is my total surprise buyout. A matter of fact, I think I read on the athletic today, Aaron Portsline wrote Alexander Wenberg might actually get bought out for financial reasons. Although I find it hard buying out a 26 year old, I guess it's possible. Any surprises in your mind that could be out there? Well, Eric said I mentioned I wouldn't be surprised if that's if the Canucks find that they they can't do a deal that they they do have to buy Louis Erickson out. I think Jim Jim Benning's finally come to the the point where you know what he has to admit that he made a mistake. Um, I think Kyle Turris in Nashville uh, that has and Kyle has proved to be a huge disappointment for David Poyle, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I th- I think that you know with 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 what's gone on in 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 Nashville and and the change in coach there and John Hines wanting to play a certain way I think that uh, I think tourists might be one of those guys that uh, that uh, certainly gets a buyout but at the same time I I think that you know there's there's two there you know there's a second buyout window after arbitration um so from from that perspective not and not everybody can be bought out obviously in that one um I, I I, I think people are just going to try to wheel and deal and try to move something and get something before they even consider buyouts. But I, I'm not sure there's, I'm not sure there's going to be many buyouts as many as people want to be other than maybe two or three guys. So. All right. So now let's shift focus. Let's go over to the RFAs. Um, the biggest question is, I mean, it's like an unwritten rule. It doesn't happen often. Uh, but I was listening to uh, Tony D'Angelo as a, a podcast. He's an RFA himself, right? <laughs> and on his last podcast, he said he predicted that there's going to be offer sheets this year because of the, every, the way things are. Uh, he, he actually thinks that there's no way it doesn't happen. So my question to you is, you know, I think Sebastian Ajo was the, was the big one last, the last time out. And that didn't go very well for Montreal, especially, you know, when social media, you know, Carolina hurricanes put out like little shots back at them for uh, trying to sign them. Oh, but that was fun. I I absolutely love, I love some of the team social media. I think, I think the Canes have a funny one, but my thought, do you actually think we'll see any, Offer sheets, like Matt Barzell is the biggest one everyone talks about, even though Lamorello said, hey, listen, I will sign any. If he offers you, I'm going to match it, period. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But mm-hmm. do you see any offer sheets coming for RFAs? Um, I would not be surprised to see one. 
Uh, and I, I heard Lou's comments about matching. And so, and, and, you know, the one thing that managers will do is take Lou at his word. So there's, there's, unless, unless you want to tell your fan base, Hey, we're trying, we're trying to be better. We're trying to improve, but it also, uh, you know, the, the, the other side of that sword is, is that you have players on your team that will say, hold on. You were prepared to spend that money on a guy that's not on your roster, but you're not going to spend it on me. So you have you have to watch that when you do it. But I think Pierre-Luc Dubois in Columbus is probably, and if you watched him during the Stanley Cup playoffs, this guy is has turned into an absolute horse. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, a powerful, offensive, strong defensively, this guy has turned into exactly what the Blue Jackets expected him to be um, in, in, in when they drafted him ahead of uh, of PRV, and he's done a. And he, I, th- I think that he's he's taken that next step, and I think everybody saw that on this stage in the return to play. So if you're, if I mean he he's, you know, if you're Montreal, and you you were prepared to do that for Sebastian Ajo. Why wouldn't you do it for Pierre-Luc Dubois to come back to Quebec? Um, and why wouldn't you do it um, maybe if you have enough equity in your draft picks, and I think they do, to g- go up one more level? You know, Because I, I don't think Mark Bergevin expected to sign Ajo. I really don't. I think in his heart of hearts, he knew they would. He he, he took the risk, thinking, "Well, this we hear all these stories about Tom Dundon that he's cheap and he doesn't want to do this and he doesn't want to do that." But you know, Sebastian, basically, Bergevin, all he did was Don Waddell's job for him. You know, get him to a nice deal and sign him. Right. Didn't, it made he mm-hmm. made Don Waddell's summer easy. <laughs> I didn't you know? have to negotiate it. <laughs> he didn't have to negotiate. Right. Right. So, but to me, Dubois, Dubois is like. Oh man, that was, I think, you know, in the tournament and in the games in Toronto, I think you saw every general manager and every coach, even the ones that were at home watching and thinking, and I'm sure there were conversations, Hey, this guy's an RFA. This guy is big. This guy is everything. And John Tortorella has turned this guy into a really good hockey player. He really has. So to me, that's the one player in all of the list. That I would say, and and you 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 touched on Wenberg. So, the, what kind of cash crunch is in Columbus? Right. Um, or are they getting rid of Wenberg in order to try to afford Dubois? Right. Give him a big deal. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's that to me is that's the one player out there that I would say if there's an offer sheet, it would not surprise me if it was Pierre Luc Dubois. Wow. No, I would if I, I was a manager. He'd be the guy I'd be going to my 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 group saying, okay, how do we how do we put this deal together? What can we give up? You know, look at I mean he's 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 a kid still. And he, he could be the face of our franchise for 10 years, 12 years. Why not do it? Talk, talk me out of it. Right. And then okay, what 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 are we prepared to give up? You know, what what will he what will he drive? And what's the compensation? I'm just going to check my notes here. So, you know, if you sign him for more than 10.9 million a year, it's four first round picks. That's pretty steep, you know, but you go eight, seven to 10, nine, it's two firsts, a second and a third. Gosh. Right, if you've got the money to do it. 
And if you've got the money to do it, like Montreal has the money to do it. Yeah. Montreal is going to turn this. It, my, again, we were talking, you were talking about uh, bonuses and salary structure and that being a big issue with Pietrangelo, which we'll hit. But teams like Montreal, they, they, have, they, have, this, they have a vault somewhere. Yeah. And oh, they, well. they could turn this completely upside down. I, Toronto cap-wise doesn't – I don't know what they can do. Uh, they've the done Rangers, it already. They've done all their stuff already. Yeah. Now, they, they, now, yeah. They, now what they have to do is they have to, they have to live with it. And now they have, to, they have to tweak around the core. You know, and that's you – know, and, and it, it, that's, what's, that's what Kyle Dubas is going to have to do is, is find ways to be creative around – his his big four or big five, depending on who you talk to, uh, and then make a decision of okay, maybe I have to get rid of them, one of them, in order to try to 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 steady the course and improve my blue line because that's where the Leafs need need help for sure. So sticking with RFAs, obviously offer sheets one aspect. Uh, Dubois makes a lot of sense, uh, although I really do believe Columbus will do whatever it takes to keep him. An interesting RFA that could get an offer sheet that I that's been talked about simply because of Tampa's cap crunch is Sorelli. Anthony Sorelli seems to be somebody, but mm-hmm. is Anthony Sorelli? That t- I mean, he's he's looked really good at times, and I think he's a solid two way forward. I think he's going to be a hell of a player, but is he somebody you would throw at? Because again, if it, you you're doing the job for the other GM, if you give him something reasonable, you're doing something. So now you have to go over the top to get him. So you're like, well, now you're going to match this. Sorelli, you know, first of all, Sorelli has no arbitration rights. So, which means that, you know, Tampa can't control him for one more year at 10% more. I mean, they can't. Uh, so, so what really in the end, uh, what it means is what's Tampa's offer to Sorelli? And is it so low that because of, of, of what Julian Brisebois has to do uh, with his with all his other players and, and what he's already done with a lot of those players, um, you know, so, so what, what, happens, what happens when that, that offer isn't what it was supposed to be and, and what, is, what is Anthony Sorelli really worth? What is he worth? Tell me what he's worth. I would love, I, honestly. I, I mean, he's a, great depth, he's a awesome. great depth player. He's a great depth player. Championship teams have three Anthony Sorellis. Championship teams, for, for, for all the years that we saw, I mean, heck, even, you know, in the, dating back to when, when the Rangers won in 94, it was those depth players that made the difference. Uh, and the, the superstars, they, they, they offset each other. But it's the depth players, the Stefan Matos of the world, that that make the make the difference for any hockey club, and that's what Anthony Sorelli is. He's a he, he can kill penalties for you. He's a third line center. He can score key goals. Somebody gets hurt, he moves up to the number two center for a couple of games. He's he's a really good role player, um, and he has been for a long time. I mean, I remember watching him in Oshawa being a being a as a as a sixteen year old. And, and this guy, you knew he had it in him to be a, a really good depth player. But, what, you, you, but in, the, in, the, in the old world, that was last year, in the <laughs> old world, Anthony Sorelli would get overpaid. He can't, I, don't think, I don't think he can get overpaid this, sum, this, this offseason. I was going to say summer, but you know, it's just a... But I don't think he... I, don't, I, think, I think Anthony Sorelli, when we talked about earlier, the death of the middle class... 
Anthony Sorelli might be one of those guys that's hurt by all of this because there are going to be teams saying, I, we, we can't pay that kind of dollars for that type of player. That's going to, it's going to be because, you know, because of the flat cap and we've already signed our big guys. And that's going to, that's going to drive the agents nuts. It's going to drive the player nuts and the agents nuts. And we're going to, we're going to start hearing stories and this and that. And it's, it's it, it, I mean, there's, there's a few guys like that. Jake DeBrusque, I think in Boston's in the same boat. So, I think yeah. Jake DeBrusque's a hell of a hockey player. I'd, I'd have Jake DeBrusque on my team any time. His, his dad's important to the Rangers because he was part of, he was one of the players sent over in the Mark Messier deal. <laughs> wow. But, J- but Jake DeBrusque is, uh, with all due respect to my pal Louie, Jake DeBrusque has hands that actually can shoot the puck as opposed to hands that you fight with. Uh, and I love, I love Louie. I did like I, Jake DeBrusque. He was, he was my all time player. Yeah. I, I love Louie. But Jake DeBrusque is going to be one of those guys that, you know, you know where 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 are the Bruins going to put his value, and you, you know where he he will not get the deal he he deserves this summer, this off season from the Bruins. He won't. It's just not going to happen because of where where the flat cap has put us. Before we get off of the RFA subject, <clears throat> because uh, when it comes to trades. The one thing, I, my prediction, and I think this will be, even though it's a virtual one, I think this is going to be a fun draft because I think teams have probably all assessed their situations. They've looked at their RFAs. They've checked out the landscape. And, and they've assessed their cap situation, internal caps. <clears throat> I have a feeling we'll see more trades at the draft mm-hmm. And it will be RFAs, rights, and a pick <clears throat> to move up. But but only RFAs that have arbitration rights. Right. Because and at least you get the Rangers year. have a at few of those, you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. But at least you get the year. You, you know, you, you, you at least get that young. You trade for the guy. You get you can you can you can qualify him and take get them for the year. You know, there. You know, I was looking. So Barzell doesn't have arbitration rights. Sorelli doesn't. We talked about. Uh, and Jake DeBrusque doesn't. So those guys, they're, they're not going to get, they're, they're not going to be as attractive for managers because they can't, they're, 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 they're running the risk of not being able to sign them anyway. Um, you know, and, and the other guy that doesn't have arbitration rights that might end up being, a an RFA that teams might want to look at is, uh, and I'm not, and I'm not suggesting that a lot of these kids are going to jump or get signed or get offer sheets, but is Mikhail Sergachev. You know, I mean, Good defenseman. oh boy, Good defenseman. I mean, he's right now. I mean, it's, you know, between Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev. And some nights it's Hedman, Sergachev, McDonough. Although Ryan McDonough has been spectacular in this playoff. Um, I agree. You, you, and I know, I, I know that hurts you to say that. It is what it is, but yeah. you know, you, yeah. you don't want to do what the Islanders did with their dynasty and hold on to their players for far too long until the point where they just they couldn't get anything for them and they were aging and then they became mm-hmm. they went yeah. in the tank for yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, but so so Sergeyev's one of those other guys that you might want to look at and say, oh, okay, what would he be worth? What would he be worth as an RFA? So I, I might actually put Dubois and Sergeyev 
on my list of guys that if I'm a manager, I'm sitting back saying, okay, we have space. Uh, we have need. Um, is it worth the offer sheet on Dubois? Is it worth the offer sheet on Sergachev? Awesome. Let's talk quickly about unrestricted free agents and one of my favorite days of the entire hockey calendar, free agent frenzy. Uh, this time it's, it's going to be, uh, I, I guess, frightening free agent Friday since it's in October. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely going to be fun. Where do you see, so your predictions, your thoughts, who goes off the board on that first day? Uh, predictions for Petrangelo, Taylor Hall, Tori Krug, those are the top three in my estimation. There are plenty. Uh, I think Mike Hoffman is a name that people should pay attention to. I think he's a, he's a, he's a goal scorer. So I, I think he'll get signed on the first day as well, as will Tyson Barry, regardless of what happened in Toronto. People will be looking for offensive defensemen. What are your thoughts on unrestricted free agency and, and those guys in particular, the big names? Uh, well, I, I, th- I, I think there's two categories. I think you're right. I think, I think you have to talk about skaters versus goalies. And, uh, when you look at where, you know, I, I mean, there, there are stories, there are reports that Robin Leonard's basically already done in Vegas. It wouldn't surprise me that if he was for five years, um, then, you know, then, you know, what happens to Braden Holtby? Where does he fit into all of this? Um, and then there, then, then there's a, a whole flurry of, pardon the pun, but of what happens to Mark andre Fleury in a trade situation, not a signing, but in a trade situation. But that's goaltending. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more cautious than you are. Um, I do think your list of guys is, is rational, reasonable. Um, I, I'm not so sure about Barry and Hoffman going as quickly as you think they will. Okay. Uh, you know, I think, I think what's, I mean, Tyson did not have a a good season here in Toronto. He did not. Mm -hmm. Um, he was not put in a very good situation either. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, I think there are a lot of people measuring that. I think that if they're trying to remember what he was like in Denver, um, where he was, you know, he, he was given the green light to go up, up the ice a ton. Um, and, um, you know, that was not the case here. And the microscope of playing in Denver versus the microscope of playing in Toronto is vastly different. And so there's a few more flaws in, in Barry's game. Um, yeah, I, 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 I guess, um, but I, I, I'm, as I said, I'm not, I'm not, you know, there's a couple of unrestricted guys. I, I think Anton to Hudobin is going to be one of those guys on the goalie side that uh, people are going to say, holy smokes, we need a one and one a we need a guy that can play 35 to 40 games. And if our number one guy gets hurt, what can we get? I think he's played himself into a pretty good deal. Capitals uh, in, in, in the tournament. Caps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see him and Ovechkin having a good time, boy. I, there's that picture of Hudobin floating around with a giant beer and a bowl of wings. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's like a fun guy to be around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about Kevin Shattenkirk? I mean, Love when Shatten- you think about it, what, I mean, I mean, I think, I mean, would you rather have Kev, Kevin Shattenkirk or Tyson Berry? Shattenkirk. I'm right now. It's Shattenkirk at the well, moment. Yeah, and 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 like I think what's happened in this playoff now. Albeit Shattenkirk in his role on this team, 
you know, when you do have those three defensive we talked about earlier, Hedman, Sergachev, and McDonough ahead of you, you're, you're, there's not near the pressure, right. uh, and you're, you're, you're put in the right position. But uh, I, I think, I think Shattenkirk's reinvented himself, and I think that he's, he's proved to a lot of people he can actually play the team game much better than he did uh, in his late time in St. Louis. That you know, that awful time in Washington, and that worst time in in New York. You know, and, and did him in. Hey, he he never was he wasn't really right. Yeah, he was bad for quite a while. Well, but but I I do think that I mean he's 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 a guy that's been taken off the scrap heap and uh, reinvented himself. Now, I also think that you know when you're with a winner and you're on a winning team and you do win a championship, like I think the uh, Tampa will win, um, and you live in Florida with less taxes, uh, you may want to stay. You know, I think so too. And you may want to do a hometown discount. I mean, it's nice to be in a place where you're loved. Even though he's a Long Island boy, it's nice to be a place where you're loved. I and, no, I agree. And I, I, I don't I I think he's just gonna he's gonna get a good solid payday. So So for just the two biggest names, let's just focus on this for a second. Um Peter Angelo, I think he's going to. St- oh, I think he will eventually stay in St. Louis. I think they'll find a way to work it out. I'm not 100 percent sure. I keep everyone wants to keep talking about Toronto. I just don't see cap wise how they get that done. <sighs> no. And then the big, I think the name, the team that's coming out the most is Vegas. Where does he land? Oh, I, 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 st- I still think that Doug Armstrong will find a way to get this thing done. I do. Too. I, I really do. Uh, again, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, well, there, there's, a, there's a couple of things. I, I think that it's, and, and, and a lot of it's the unspoken stuff. I think that there's, I think there was a, a real disappointment uh, with, uh, with Alex and his, and his people when they traded for Justin Falk and then got Falk signed quickly. Uh, and where, why, why am, why am I not getting signed quickly? Why? I mean, I'm the captain of the team. I'm the captain of the Stanley cup champion and, and you're signing guys. Are you signing guys to replace me? Right. Um, uh, and I think, I think that bothered him. I think it bothered him. There wasn't near the discussion over the, over the, uh, you know, November, December, January window last year, um, to, uh, to get the deal done. Um, and then I, 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 I think, and and people don't like to talk about this, but my personal belief is I think that uh, there are teams right now that are are not prepared to sign guys with giant signing bonuses. So we can we can agree to we can come close to agreeing to a structure of a of you know eight years nine million a year approximately for so seventy two million dollars. But I'm not you're not getting a fifteen million dollar signing bonus. You're not getting ten million dollars because we we don't have it. Right. And, and I mean, they'd have to, I mean, cause no team, I don't think many teams have that now. I mean, I think maybe there, maybe Montreal, um, but, and, and, you know, big companies like the Rangers probably do and, and here in Toronto, but I, there's a lot of teams that, that don't. And it's definitely not. Right. And so, and, and you can't blame and, and Doug Hart. So Armstrong is, he's, he's got a budget to live with and, uh, I think Tom Stillman's been more than generous with what what uh, what Doug's been able to do uh, in the long term in St. Louis, um, and but it just to, to me it's just now a question of structure or a few tweaks and structure, 
And I suspect that, you know, even before October the 9th, that it would not surprise me to see him be announced in St. Louis. I agree. And Taylor Hall, I I keep hearing Montreal because Montreal is looking for big wingers. Would he go there? Why not? That's what I'm saying, right? It's a great place to play. I mean, we talked about it right at the top of the show. It's a great place to play. Best fans in the world. Um, I mean, he, you know, he played, you know, he played, uh, uh, in the OHL, he understands, you know, in Windsor, uh, you know, his, his family has ties in Kingston, uh, even though they're, you know, they, they talk about him being from Calgary. Um, I think Calgary's got to be on the list as well. So if you, if you, if you put the Calgary Flames, the Montreal Canadiens and staying in Arizona as your three options, um, I think that, I, I think that's probably a pretty good list. Because okay. Calgary, Calgary needs to do something too. You know, um, Calgary. When you look at the Calgary roster and you say, "Man, they should be better than they are," um, but they just can't get over the hurdle in the playoffs. Because do they know how to play playoff hockey? Do they know how to play that? I mean, Colorado destroyed them last year, um, and you know, Dallas in many ways, uh, even though it was twelve seconds of coming close to to uh, uh, to losing a, a key game in their series, Dallas in the end pushed them around, and that's that's a problem. That's a problem, particularly if Matthew Kachuk is was and and Matthew did, you know was pretty banged up and didn't play very much in the playoffs. That becomes a real issue for Calgary. So I, I think that I think Brad has to do something there, and Taylor Hall might fit in there. One big name to talk about on the trade bait board that I. I can't believe he's on it, but after hearing, you know, Elliot Friedman, Darren Drager, uh, Pierre Lebrun, all talking about him and the situation in Winnipeg, Patrick Laine blows me away that he could be out there to be had in a trade. Uh, the reason being, I think somewhat, I think the best articulated point was Shevel Dayoff it knows that Winnipeg is not a free agent destination to improve and that trades is probably the best way for him to get something done. He needs a center. He needs a defenseman. Um, and with, I'm looking at teams and the one trade that I, I can just see the big splash trade and actually happening, forget about Taylor Hall, Montreal going after Patrick Lyonet, shipping like Max Domi, a defenseman, a draft pick, and giving him the contract he wants, I think he'd be an incredible fit there. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, somebody also mentioned Columbus, uh, possibly you know looking for scoring to replace Panarin and going with line, with Line. A. What are your thoughts? I mean, this is the one guy that I just go. This guy is a 40, 50 goal scorer. He's available for trade. He's young. Well, but he wasn't last year. Um. And, and, you know, you have to wonder what has, I mean, when you look at what's happened in Winnipeg in the last 18 months uh, on their blue line, you know, no Tyler Myers, no Dustin Bufflin. Um, Jacob Truba. Uh, Jacob Truba. But, I mean, they, they they actually got extra years out of Truba that I think that we never thought they would. So, because, um, so I think, I think Kevin has been, been working and trying to find a way to, to, to bridge the Truba situation. They, he knew he was going to leave at some point. Um, you know, and Josh Morrissey for a, as good as he is a defenseman, because he's a hell of a defenseman just seems to get banged up a bit too much. And it, perhaps it's his size. Um, 
there's there's something missing in Winnipeg. There's something missing in Winnipeg. And, and you know, between Paul Maurice and Kevin Sheveldayoff, I'm sure that they have a theory on what it is. Um, and when you look at, the, the, you know, they've made their bed with Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler's not going anywhere, you know. Um, I, I think the same for Mark Shifley. And I wouldn't move Shifley for anything. They, and so they, if you do a process of elimination between what a, per, what a player can get you what a player will cost you and what a player contributes and you do do some sort of correlation patrick line makes sense if you need if you know you need to give up something to get something back uh nick ehlers i'm sure more people are i i, I will probably believe more people are calling on ehlers than they are line because ehlers because, because of his contract because mm-hmm. he's it costs certainty you know, and because if Line, a, Line A's cost certainty, if he gets a, if he goes 45 goals, what's his cost certainty in his next deal? Oh, my God. You know, so by a process of elimination, Line A makes sense. He just makes sense because you can also get something good for your roster right away. So I, I'm not surprised. That, it, that that line A's name has been discussed. And then when you, and, and unfortunately this year he got hurt, got the bad wrist in the series uh, against Calgary. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, I think that it would be fair to say that line A's performance has been a bit of a dif- disappointment the last seven or eight months of playing time, not seven or eight months of the pandemic, but seven or eight months of playing time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to me, to me, it's it's a lot, and and I think Kevin is one of the most pragmatic, logical general managers in the game. And to me, this one just makes sense. So you see, Line being traded, possibly? Yeah, I do, I do. I, yeah. I mean, the smoke and fire thing is with, with all the rumors going around. Yeah, and because because but there is an expectation. You know, how many parts are you going to get for him? What are you going to get back? Are you going to get a, are you, are you going to be able to get somebody that can help your roster now? Somebody can help your roster in two years and somebody can help your roster in five years. So that's a pick, a player and a prospect. Uh, and I would expect that Kevin might even want more than that. That would make total sense. I, and I, that total sense. But, it, but it, then, it, but then Anthony, what it also goes to is small market, um, and you talked about how uh, tough it is to attract free agents to Winnipeg, um, and and you say, okay, the we can do it through trade and we can do it through the draft. Right, was the only way we're going to get better. But that's why I see Montreal because when I I mentioned Max Domi, you know he's a restricted free agent. He's a center, can play wing. I obviously think they need to be more, but I'm just, I immediately think of his dad and the success he had in Winnipeg and like telling his son, you'd, you'd love it there. Trust me. Something like that might actually make it more feasible. I'm just, maybe I'm connecting too many dots. Sometimes you see too many angles. You get all like the numbers start flashing in front of you, like rain man, when you start talking about trades and where people can go. Just don't count all the matches on the floor. Okay. <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> okay. So we're about to wrap up the show with the most important thing that my listeners, obviously we gave them a taste when we talked about Lundquist. Um, you being an actual Rangers fan, so it's you're probably right on top of the situation like you are with all the teams, but maybe a little bit more with the Rangers. But looking at them, four restricted free agents. Uh, all of them have arbitration rights. 
I'm pretty darn sure all four of the f- big RFAs have arbitration rights. Mm-hmm. What are your predictions for each one? D'Angelo, Strom, Lemieux, uh, Georgiev. And after all is said and done, we heard about the Rangers looking to improve 2C, if possible, looking for centers, maybe improve left defense. I don't know how they'll do it, just thinking about it. But your thoughts, just let's wrap it up with those. Start with what you think is going to happen with the four RFAs. I wouldn't be, you know, I mean, I, I think that <laughs> politics aside, uh, I think they really like D'Angelo. I, I, I really, I really, th- I mean, I, I think what he's done, I mean, he's finally reached a level of potential that a lot of people saw him way back in junior, you know, um, and, and can, you know, on that young blue line, he can be a, a huge, a huge factor for the Rangers for a long period of time. But none of these guys here, this goes back to none of them are getting rich this time around, you know, and if there's an expectation that they're all getting rich or one of them's getting rich, it's not going to happen this summer. It's going to be, um, it, it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to be uh, disappointing numbers. I think, because of the the flat cap and where the where the money's already spent, um, you already talked about Chat and Kirk's buyout. We're going to probably talk about another buyout at a certain point. So all of a sudden, what the Rangers and we know the Rangers are going to ha- they 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 don't really have an internal budget. You know, Jim Dolan's Jim Dolan's budget is just win. Yeah. So they're going to pay. They're going to spend to the cap uh, or whatever the cap allows them to do with all the buyouts they have. Um, I think you know the one the one that I look at, and you wonder about Brendan Lemieux. Although I'll tell you what, because uh, Brendan Lemieux is a he's a polarizing guy, uh, and I I'm not sure what what the thought is internally with the organization about Lemieux. Uh, again, it'd have to be within the right cost structure. Uh, they were a better team with him in the lineup if he played responsibly. If he played responsibly. But he didn't necessarily always play responsibly, and so that becomes again that becomes the real challenge for a guy like Lemieux, who, when when you look at teams that have players like that, if if that guy can play under control yet to and and on the edge, boy, they're better hockey clubs. Absolutely, and and so that's he's he's the. I mean, there are tons of metaphors, tons of cliches. He's a diamond in the rough that you think, God, if we can just, if David can just get him under control a bit more, a bit more, then that becomes a question. Or do they sit and say, you know what? We've tried everything. It's not worth it. It's funny. I spoke with Ron Duguay about the team after the playoffs and he, Ron Duguay is not somebody who is shy. (laughs) He speaks his mind. And he had quite a bit to say about how soft the Rangers are in his estimation and why he feels they need more players like Brendan Lemieux. Yeah, but that's old school. You see, and, and the, the, the world has evolved. The, the, world, the world has evolved. The game is evolving. I mean, we're th- that same conversation is going on here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. How soft are the Leafs? You know, where, where, where are they going to have their... I mean, that's why they went and got, you know, Muzzin and Clifford. Um, it was to try to beef up that, that aspect, you know, big boy hockey still wins, but, it, it, but at, at what cost and big boy hockey really only occurs at one time a year now, Anthony playoffs, playoffs, 
Right. Big boy hockey doesn't happen in a regular season in February. Makes and it sense. doesn't need to. So so then you have to find a way to, to to compromise and to have that thin line of okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna play eighty-two games or sixty games, whatever the next schedule is gonna be. We're gonna play it this way, but then we have to be able to flick the switch. You know, and that's you know, it's taken Tampa six years to understand that. Six years it took them. They were, I mean, the twenty fifteen Stanley Cup final against Chicago. I mean, they were they were like little gnats around the ice. They were fun to watch, but they weren't tough enough. Mm. They weren't tough enough. S- but they were great in the regular season. I mean, even last year, you know, they were they were great. They were sixty two wins in the regular season, out in four because the other team was tougher and, and played a different game. That becomes the real challenge of a guy like Brendan Lemieux. Is he worth it for eighty two games to have him? Because if if you if you don't have them in the regular season, you may not get to the playoffs. <laughs> that 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 is a good point. Oh, so, so that be, but that's what that's what I mean. These guys, you know, every every hockey club for the last seven months, they they haven't been able to sit in the same room, so they've been having Zoom meetings four hours a day every day, going through minutia of how to make our teams better, interviewing players talking to the scouts, breaking down, you know, diet, breaking down everything, every aspect. Um, and that, those are the key, those are the questions that you have to make a hard decision on is whether this guy is good for 82 games or is he good for 16 wins in the playoffs? And how do you measure that? And when does that become a factor? And, and is, is he good for a team that's on the upswing or is he good on a team that's already there? When do you make the tweak? Do you make the tweak? That's why the trade deadline in our sport is so much more valuable and better than any other sport. Any other sport is because it can make or break you. And I know lots of people say, ah, trade deadline, not that important. Our trade deadline, look, look, look what's ha- look what happened in Tampa, you know, with, with uh, Goudreau and, and Blake Coleman. Oh, my goodness. Changed the personality of the club. Gave them grit, gave them grit, gave them some depth, you know? And Ranger fans could just look to 94 and what Neil Smith did. That was just mind-boggling. Well, First place team. Well, and and by the way, just on, on that note, Steve Larmer, which was in my mind was the greatest acquisition that Neil made in his time in New York. Steve Larmer should be in the Hall of Fame. So, okay, my ad's finished now. Uh, I believe... If you see, I, I, I'm trying to angle it, but that's a right up there with Kovalev is a photo of Steve, a signed photo of Steve Larmer. So, yeah. without a doubt, actually, and he was he was not a deadline acquisition for the Rangers. He was uh, a three way deal with the Hartford Whalers, right? Um, with the Chicago Blackhawks, and that was the main piece the Rangers got back. But but I mean, it was it, it, it was it wasn't as if he started that season with them. They knew what they needed, and uh, and Keenan was going to get he, one of his guys. That's right. He didn't like to That's get right. his guys much to poor, poor Neil Smith's chagrin. <laughs> well, and by the way, by the way, none of the guys, none of those guys liked Keenan. No, I know. But they knew but they knew how to play for him. <laughs> and, and they knew it like whether it was Greg Gilbert, you know, Brian Noonan, Stefan Matteau, Steve Larmer. None of them liked him. But they knew how to play for him. And that's all that mattered. And he got listen, Alexei Kovalev, uh, we has talked fondly about him too, to be honest with you. I mean, he and he did say things such as Keenan bringing him Nemchinov, uh, 
Karpatsev into a room sure. and just saying, you Russians don't care about winning the Stanley Cup. And Kovalev being like, what is this guy talking about? But at the same time, Kovalev knew, played for him because he pushed his buttons. He knew, Kovalev understood Keenan, knew how to push his buttons, that playing time is all he wanted and he would take it away from him at any moment. And that's what caused him to play back. You, know, you just reminded me of a, a story. I, um, so in 2002, I was working for NBC uh, in Salt Lake City for the Olympics. Um, and we had uh, preliminary meetings in the, in no, I want to say in November of 2001 in Salt Lake. We had about a five-day seminar. And Mike was supposed to work for us at NBC in those games. And so we ended up, I know this is hard to believe, but we ended up in a bar in Salt Lake um, uh, a couple of nights and I was amazed and I, cause I've been around the game a long time. I was amazed at how many people wanted to talk to Mike Keenan because of 94. Interesting. Character. In Salt Lake city, Utah, yeah, in Salt crazy. Lake city, Utah. And so, I mean, of course, and Mike didn't enjoy any of it. Right. Mike, <laughs> <laughs> Mike did. And Mike, I, I view Mike as a friend. So I, we used to laugh about it, but uh, he ended up subsequently getting hired. Right. He ended up getting a coaching job. So, so he didn't, uh, in the end, he didn't work for us uh, in Salt, in Salt Lake. So, but the 94 and the aura of 94 and how Mike coached and how Mike created all of this uh, is still one of the great legends of, of hockey lore uh, when it comes to ending the 54 he, years. He, he may be the only coach in NHL history that uh, signed the new deal with a new, with another team while coaching because uh, Neil Smith was just on another podcast and yeah. gave a breakdown that during the finals, he was negotiating with Detroit. That's right. Detroit backed out and then his agent continued and talked to the blues and he had an agreement in place even before they won the cup, according to what Neil Smith said about that situation. I, 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 and, and Neil has every right to think that that I, I think that his uh, it's pretty close to, to that. Here's the interesting thing. He's not the only one. <laughs> it's okay, Jacques Demers, Jacques Demers, Probably signed a deal with Detroit while he was with St. Louis. Uh, and in 1984, Pat Quinn actually did sign with Vancouver in January and tried to finish the season coaching in L.A. Wow. Well, I, I totally I, – I have to look up Pat Quinn. Pat Quinn is a, is a Canadian legend. <laughs> Pat, hey, Pat Quinn was, there's only one Pat Quinn. He was a brilliant man, a good person. But Pat Quinn actually was coaching the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, and uh, the, at, at a point in the regular season, they did not exercise the right to sign him to an extension. And so uh, he got a new deal. He signed it in Vancouver with the Griffiths family who owned the Canucks at the time. Um, the league got wind of it. Uh, and they suspended Pat for the last, uh, I believe, 20 games of the regular season. Wow. So, yeah. So predictions will wrap up. What happens with D'Angelo? Signed or traded? Signed. What happens with Strom? Interesting one. Signed or traded? Signed. Ah, this is a good one. Signed. 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 I, you know, and you know, I, I saw a lot of Ryan Strom play in Edmonton. And the Ryan Strom that played in New York and the Ryan Strom played at Edmonton, I swear there's two different players. I so. totally agree. I didn't I thought it was a lateral move when they traded Spooner. 
So, um, oh, lateral. <laughs> well, I listened Spooner when he, when he played at the Rangers actually had a, a nice little run. And then all of a sudden he got traded. Obviously Gordon is a, a better GM than I will ever be. <laughs> that um, was- Pulling a rabbit out of a hat, that one. No kidding. Uh, Georgiev, signed or traded? Oh, no, no. Hey, listen, if you're if you're buying out Lundqvist... 100%. You're buying out Lundqvist, if that's what they do, or if you're you're trading Henrik, you, you've got your goalie... you got you got two goalies of the future right now. Let's right. face it. So... Agreed. That's not good. That, that's going to happen. And you're, apparently one of your favorites, Brendan Lemieux, signed or traded? Um... Well, I think they have to sign him, but but again, I I do not know the inner workings of the discussions between Jeff and and David Quinn and John Davidson to say is he worth the headache? Is he worth the headache? Um, if he's as good as his dad, then you keep him. <laughs> that's, that's, that is something to say. <laughs> it's funny because I, I've had conversations with Claude uh, dating back to last time he his contract was up. And Claude is a great guy. And it's funny considering I'm a Ranger fan and how much I absolutely despised him during those nineties with the, I mean, that's, that's the type of player that you go, you hate, but when you, when he's on your team, you love him. And, and I think Lemieux has the potential to be that to a degree. It's just hard to be somebody. And again, that, but that, but you you know, the, the, the thing is that in the world that you live in, and I guess to, to some extent, the world I live in is that, you know, that it's either black or white. Yes or no. Well, I'll tell you what, there's only 5% white over here. There's 5% black over here and there's 90% gray. Lots of gray. And, 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 and most of the world lives in gray. And the discussions that are going on in the Ranger head office, you know, are gray. There's gray. Well, this is good, but that's bad. What, what can we afford? What can't we afford? There are so many elements to going into deciding who to keep there. I mean, if you, if you, and, 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 and again, a lot of it goes back to Anthony, how patient the Rangers want to be. Cause I do believe they want to be great for a long period of time. I don't think they want to be a two year wonder and then start again. So can you see Ryan Strom being a, being a factor for five years? Can you see, Tony D'Angelo being a factor for five years. I think the answer on D'Angelo is absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. I, and I and outside of the expansion draft, where does Georgiev fit into that? That become that'll be that's going to be a, a, a question, right? Um, and and then you have to ask that question about Brendan Lemieux too. And and that's that's where I think that's that that's the toughest one to make the decision on. Ladies and gentlemen. This was an amazing show. I can't thank you, John, enough. John Shannon is one of the best. Uh, I've been following and watching you for a long time. I've got just mean, that, that just means I'm old. Listen, I'm I, I'm I'm not a spring chicken myself. I'm I'm close to fifty, so <laughs> a little just for men goes a long way sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, it was a it was a it was a treat. So I I enjoyed it. This is this is great. I want to thank you for coming on, everyone. Uh, you can follow John Shannon uh, at Twitter. It's J Shannon HL. Um, so please give him a follow. He's still one of the best. And obviously, with the the draft coming up, uh, free agency coming up, you're going to want to follow John. There's no doubt about it. You're going to want to follow him. One of the best in the game. And I can't thank you enough, John. 
All the best. I hope you have a great weekend. And I really hope we could do this again sometime in the future. Cheers. Thank you, John. Bye.